millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Claire, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast uh, today. As I said to you last week, one of the positives of this lockdown is it means we're getting to talk to lots of sports people we would never have even considered. Uh, you definitely fall mm-hmm. into that category. Outside the box, for sure. <laughs> so tell us a bit about yourself anyway. We'll get on to your sporting exploits in a moment. Just talk to me a bit about your background, first of all. Um, how does somebody begin life to become a free diver? Is there a special course you have to do? Is there a special path in life? Or did you just fall into it? No, I completely fell into it, kind of like I fell into quite a few of my uh, previous jobs. Um, so I have you know, a background in theatre, a master's in movement. I worked as a puppeteer for years, a singing coach, a performer. Um, so then moving into free diving was uh, quite the departure. So I was traveling in, I think it was 2015, and, you know, doing bits of snorkeling. I would have done a lot of swimming as a kid and also sea swimming. Um, so, you know, it was very comfortable in the water. So snorkeling when I was away traveling, a couple of lads I was with, kicked down from the surface and went into a cave and then came out the other side. I thought this was the coolest thing in the world. So I tried to do it myself and sure, my ears stopped me immediately. So later on that evening, I asked them pretty nonchalantly what what that was, and they explained it was free diving. So that evening, um, I looked up where did beginners courses, um, and got my myself over to the island of Utila and started a beginners course there. And then I went straight on to the advanced, and then spent a few weeks diving. And then the following year. Uh, came back to do more the following year after that I stayed there for nine months I think. So if you were asked in one sentence to describe what freediving is to define what freediving is what would your response be? The sport of holding your breath in water. You make it sound so easy. (laughs) Coming up with a sentence isn't even easy. (laughs) Anything anything but so how does somebody go from an interest in swimming, an interest in snorkeling to the sport of free diving. What was it that you saw that day, even though that you had the pain in your ears, that you said, yeah, this is worth exploring? Well, it just seemed like something I could do. Um, I was only thinking about this recently, and I think a few months previously I had been, again, kind of snorkeling in the Galapagos. It sounds like I'm place dropping here, uh, but I was traveling. Um, And I remember being underwater and seeing one of the locals dive. And it was 100% the closest thing to a merman I've ever seen in my life. It was incredible how they moved in the water. Like they've been doing this all their life. Um, It just blew me away. And when I saw the lads doing it again a couple of months later, I thought, hey, you know, I want to see what this is. Um, and again, I think when you're in traveling mode, as I call it, you know, you're more open to trying different things. You know, I'd gone ziplining, I'd gone parachute jumping, which I'd never do here, paragliding sword. 
Um, and I'd never do that here. I'd done scuba diving. So this was just something else to try while I was away um, and thought it would stay that way. Something that, you know, you did on your travels and then that was it. So I tried to give it up when I came home, um, but it hasn't really worked out like that. Okay, so it's like one of those lingering holiday romances that uh, continues on afterwards. You, you arrived you back to Ireland. <laughs> you arrived back to Ireland and obviously climate alone, uh, as an example. So how how do you still continue? What was the next step in continuing the, the free, dri- free diving adventure once yeah. you got back? So when I, I got back after first experiencing it in 2015 and... Uh, I took to the pool because there is disciplines that you can do in the pool. So I spent a good bit of that winter uh, training in pool. And then the following summer, I went away again. And so I I returned, whatever, September 2016. And that's when I start putting plans in place to leave and, and spend much longer doing it. So February the following year, I left for nine months, came home for my mom's birthday and then headed off again, to do a little bit more. So I spent much of 2017 doing it because here, you know, our our water isn't conducive to depth training. I suppose it's perfect for, you know, kicking around and snorkel. And certainly out west, there are some great spots. But here um, we don't have as big a community and safety, obviously, is, is paramount in the sport. So doing it with people who are experienced, who know what they're doing, um, who know that the currents, um, is really important. So, you know, when I'm in Ireland, I really, really miss it. But I do swim in the sea a lot. In fact, I, I dip in the sea pretty much every day of the year, and um, certainly five five times a week all year round. So for me, that's a connection to the water. So that's my winter activity. And then by summer, I'm usually transitioning into heading off diving again. So that's, I suppose, that would be the ideal lifestyle. And I've been trying to transition into that somewhat successfully. You mentioned your mom's birthday mm-hmm. at the start of that conversation there. When you came home and said, I've taken up the sport of free diving mm-hmm. and you explained it, paint the picture of the of the response that greeted that. Well, the funny thing is, mum mom doesn't swim at all. Mum hates the water. Like I, I don't even think she gets her face wet in the shower. She really hates it. So at the time I had been scuba diving and she'd seen this and she just accepts it as something Claire does and I suppose tries not to think about it too much. So when I told her um, I was free diving, she, her response was, oh, great, you know, you don't have to pay for your scuba anymore. That's not what free diving is. But funnily, around the same time, she texted me and on the radio was um, another Irish diver called Fergus Callaghy. So he operates out in Mullockmore. He was on the radio talking about what free diving was and explaining it. So it was quite coincidental, the timing of that. So she texted me and said, hang on a second. I've just learned what free diving is. Um, but, you know, my parents are absolutely super, as is the rest of my family. You know, I've worked as a puppeteer. I worked in theatre. Um, and I suppose they're just used to me coming up with different projects that are maybe a little bit outside the box. Um, but they always get on board and just row in behind me. Like they, my parents and my sister and brother-in-law came over to Nice last year to support me in the world championship. So that was amazing. You know, it's, it's quite a big journey from what the hell is freediving? What are you doing to being over to support me? Okay. It's been a remarkable journey to get to that, that point 
We'll come back to that in a moment. You mentioned Fergus there as well too. What is the the free diving community in Ireland? How many people is it into double figures? Honestly, I, I don't know. Um, I know there are a lot of people. Certainly, there's some around Dublin, um, down down Cork, uh, out west. Um, I wouldn't have tapped into it too much if I'm being honest. Um, my interest is more in depth training, and I was, you know time spent in the water I wanted to do that uh you know so going away um I haven't really yeah I haven't really tapped into it a whole much I've, I've met up with Fergus a couple of times he's absolutely super and I've started doing some courses here to try and I suppose grow the community um, and grow the safety aspect of diving which would be so as a pet subject of mine talk, talk to me about safety and like when I think of what you do uh, you know, the, the the question is, how dangerous is it, in a nutshell? It, it's funny, I was only talking to my flatmate the other night, and he's a diver as well, and he wants to get a motorbike. I said, are you cracked? That's so dangerous. And he just looked at me, he's like, you free dive. I was like, yeah, but that's safe. So it's funny, we had quite a real conversation about the dangers of free diving, and he's a diver too, so it was interesting talking about it from that point of view. Um, I suppose there's there's rules to the sport and there is obviously an inherent danger. You know, you're holding your breath underwater. A lot can go wrong. Um, you know, it's supposedly the second most dangerous sport. I don't actually know what the first is. Um, but I find it I find it hard to think about it like that because my experience of it is so serene calming much of the practices that you have to do to get in the water are about you know um yeah mindfulness meditation relaxation awareness and so that just doesn't match with this idea of extreme i suppose when you're going to the other end of it being a competitive sport and then certainly if you witness uh some competitions yeah you can see how it is extreme but you know there is the the primary rule is never dive alone um, and would be pretty strict on that. Um, and to me, you know, take it a step further, only dive with someone who you know, who knows you, uh, say similar level of experience, if not higher, um, and, and knows what to do if something happens. How do you train on a day-to-day basis So for something like this? How much of your training is even nowhere near the water? You were talking there about mindfulness and meditation and things like that. Is 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 that 50% of what you do? Yeah, probably more. When I'm when I'm actually train when I'm actually training and diving, I'm I'm a lot more strict or structured with what I do out of the water. Um I suppose now there's no dangling carrot of hitting depth. I'm a little bit more lax about my practices. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is uh, meditation, uh, mobility. Um, other people will have their, their different routines, whether it's uh, vis- visualization practices, uh, journaling, stretching, mobility, lung stretches, practicing holding your breath. All these kind of things feed into what happens in the water. And obviously, you know, you need to get those techniques down before you start trying them underwater. Okay. What is the objective when you free dive? Is it how long you can hold your breath or how far down you can go? Yeah, that's a really good question. And the answer is both. So there's different disciplines. 
So there's a pool discipline called static apnea. So you're lying still on the surface of the water and your airways, so mouth and nose are submerged. And that's measured in time. So that's the longest breath hold you'll have. And then there are the depth disciplines, which are measured in meters below the uh, surface. And which category do you compete in? Both? Um, yeah, yeah. M- mainly depth, though. I love depth. I think a lot of divers prefer, you know, the open water stuff as opposed to a pool. It's all about the big blue. And that's something that we've mentioned uh, already, that, that famous Luc Besson film from almost 30 years ago now. Can, can you remember yeah. it? I do indeed. Uh, it, it didn't spark any uh, interest way back when that's been sitting in the back of your mind for the last uh, 25 years waiting to come out. I know I'd seen it before, but it wasn't until the last, excuse me, 18 months that I watched it again, uh, you know, in the context of free diving. I just remember seeing it years ago and it didn't really have a huge impact on me. But now it's pretty much the free diving go to. <laughs> Yeah, how, how, because we've often seen movies and adaptations and their reality versus the Hollywoodization of it can be very different. How, how close to reality was that film? Mm, relatively close. She says with a, she says with a yeah. smile. Okay, so paint the picture. You're in, you're in Nice and your, your competition, you're bobbing somewhere in the Mediterranean, I presume. Mm-hmm. Um, just to talk, talk me through the day of competition and we'll say the night before, the morning and the actual competition itself and, and what exactly yeah. happened? So I had three dives, so three different disciplines. And the morning of the first dive was actually the first day of competition overall. So it started off with women's uh, no fins dive, which is a discipline. Um, and it's funny, I wasn't particularly nervous um I felt quite emotional actually there was a lot of people over supporting me randomly a few Irish people were in Nice they'd seen that this is happening they'd heard as an Irish person so as Irish people do best and really rode in to support me I found that really overwhelming um incredible but overwhelming um the conditions weren't super um and a combination of nerves overthinking conditions got the best of me and I ended up um, having a small blackout at the end of my dive when I got to the surface. So that you dive. Say that very matter, you say that very matter of factly, uh, Claire. <laughs> I'm, I'm sweating at the thought of it. No. Um, yeah, like, you know, the word blackout doesn't have posi- positive connotations in any context. Um, but I think it is a part of the sport. And um, it's just the further end of hypoxia. Um, but, you know, there, there's such tight safety procedures, you know, you're absolutely fine. This happened on the surface. It was a couple of seconds. Um, but, yeah, it's it was it was a really difficult one, I have to say. It was hard to mentally then book up and shake it off and prepare for the next the next two days. Uh, the next two dives because I really didn't think it would have happened I was well prepared I was really conservative um what I announced so it was a relatively shallow dive um I just you know the whole thing was you know give myself a nice experience to kick off the competition and put my nerves at ease a little bit (laughs) and that did not happen 
So yeah, mentally, though, we'll say blacking out at the best of times in your own sitting room would be frightening enough. But blacking out mm. in the water, h- how do you conquer the fear that I would expect would come with something like that? Um, I haven't done that dive again. I haven't done that discipline since. So my plans for 2020 was to really put that demon to rest, that particular discipline. It's called no fins and you're propelling yourself down using a variation on breaststroke. Um, so the plan for 2020 was to make that discipline my um, my complete comfort zone. Um, and I'll still do it. Um, come back, come back so to, to yeah, me. So we've had the blank out. The medics smash you off. Everything is fine. Yeah, so I remember coming up and I remember I was 10 meters from the surface because a diver, a safety diver was in front of me. I remember angling my body um, so that I'd come up in the right position and then I don't remember anything else. Um, I've seen the video and, you know, I come up to the surface and I liken it to, did you ever fall asleep on a bus or public transport and you just kind of nod your head down and then jerk back awake? It's See, there's no moment of I'm conscious and now I'm not conscious. It's just, you know, kind of a melting into unconsciousness. I don't remember it. So the last thing I remember is looking up and seeing the platform and the surface. And then the next thing I remember was a French man giving me a kiss, actually, <laughs> as I was coming out of the water. Um, so he was, you know, helping me resuscitate me or, you know, bring me back or whatever. And. Um, so I think I was like unconscious for maybe six, six, seven seconds. It wasn't that long, but my memory around it is just a little bit fuzzy. But in terms of that time, though, are you not inhaling water? No. No. Uh, so what happens is um, you're, you get what's called a laryngospasm. So your larynx closes, which stops any air getting into your, or excuse me, any water getting into your lungs, but it also stops air getting in. So if, if that doesn't um, break, for want of a better phrase, itself, you can do a rescue breath and that just breaks that lock. And that's what that Frenchman was doing. He wasn't just being particularly amorous. <laughs> um, what, what depth were you at, we'll say, at the, at the, the deepest part of that dive? Oh, yeah. That was a 30 metre dive, I think. So that was for sh- relatively shallow for that discipline. I love the way you say kind of, yeah, 30 metres, 90 feet, relatively shallow. Um, whereas most of us, like if we got to nine feet down, we would be mm-hmm. uh, stressed. Just back to something you mentioned there a little earlier as well too, Claire, was in relation to the uh, issue with the ears. And you asked the guide at the very start. Of course, any of us that have ever jumped into water or have gone uh, snorkeling, the pressure in the ears, how do you overcome that? Yeah, so, you know, that's probably, there are two elements to um, freediving. Equalization, which is uh, equalizing the, the pressure in your ears, and relaxation. So, you know, we play we play freedive bingo when there's a group of freedivers sitting around, like you have your bingo cards, and as soon as they start talking about EQ, you know, take a sip of beer or whatever, it's just, it's an incessant topic of conversation uh, for freedivers. So equalization or EQ is, you know, it's one of the primary factors in determining how deep you can be, you can go. Um, 
so you know th- there's lots of different techniques to do it and um, you, you get it when you're in a plane or when you're scuba diving a lot of people pinch their nose and uh, fire air up from their lungs obviously we have to be a lot more conservative because we have a limited amount of air so being relaxed is really important for working your um, optimum amount of equalization if that makes no. sense Let's go back to Nice. So, so you've uh, had your encounter with the uh, the very nice Frenchman who was only mm-hmm. doing his job and nothing more than that. Um, <laughs> how, how do we progress then in in the competition? Are we a, a day to the next uh, the next no, phase? So, of so that dive was a Sunday. Um, as soon as it happened, I went to the medic boat, medical boat, and just put on oxygen and had my stats taken, and it was absolutely fine. I was grand. Um, went back to my family. Um, they were super. And actually, what's a really lovely memory is there was a delay on the screen. So my parents had been watching it live, streaming it. And then there's a screen in the athlete's village where they're showing the dives. So my day dive came on. And there was a gang of about 20 of us in, like, we were carrying tricolors, like we used to call it the Irish village. Um, and other athletes came over to watch my dive. And if goodwill could have changed the outcome, it would have. Like, it was just hilarious. Everyone was shouting, come on, Claire, come on, Claire. And I'm going, lads, we know what happens at the end. Spoiler. Um, But just, it was incredible. The good feeling of everyone just, it was just so Irish. It was terrific um, compared to other pockets of people who were just really calmly observing what was happening. So that's actually one of my favorite moments afterwards. so that was a Sunday. That was the Sunday. And the next dive was due to happen on the Tuesday. Um, and I remember getting up Tuesday morning, preparing, stopped stretching, uh, did my meditation. Weather wasn't great. They had done three dives and then they had uh, postponed for an hour. So I was in my apartment going, mm, do I head down to the village or not? trying to text people, but sure, if they're out on the platform, they don't have their phone phones. So trying to figure out what I do, because if I am to dive and it's not for a few hours, I'm not waiting around in that because nerves will really kick in. As it turned out, it was cancelled um, for the day. So it was pushed back again. So I had to wait from Monday, or excuse me, Sunday to Thursday to the next dive. Those days were difficult. Well, was it not more of a help though I would have thought after the scare that you had no no I needed to get back on the horse (laughs) um yeah kind of had more time to build it up and I just had a fear it would happen again I I just hadn't seen it coming I just didn't think it would happen um so I just was scared it was going to happen again so I ended up announcing really conservatively um so a really easy dive it was a different discipline I'd be a little bit more comfortable in it and it's great. The video of the end of that dive, the next one, is just <laughs> a demonstration of pure relief. That's it. Pure relief. Um, so that was terrific. And then it meant the next dive I could go into with a little bit more confidence. And you certainly did go in with plenty of confidence, didn't you? Like, I don't know. The whole experience was a lot more stressful than I think I'd ever anticipated um, so I don't think confidence ever was a factor. I think more of an acceptance of what will be will be. Um, and it's easy now kind of reassuring myself and saying, ah, for fact's sake, Claire, you know, it's an easy dive to do, the one I had planned for the Saturday, the third dive. 
but just so much, you know, your headspace is such a big part um, of what happens underwater. So it, there's just no telling, really. That last dive, though, was to pr- prove to be, fair to say, one of your greatest sporting moments? No. Uh, no, I don't think so. It's funny, the dive before was probably my favourite dive, just from the relief factor. Um, and... I think I was just glad to be done. <laughs> I was glad to be done. Um, I came home from the World Championships and it was the week of my, it was a few days before my sister's wedding. So kind of came home from th- three months of intense training and then competition to family wedding, which was crazy in itself. But the day after the wedding, a little bit worse for wear, I'll admit, um, I just, I had decided I just wasn't done for the year. Um, the world championships had been so stressful. I hadn't dived like I thought I would or had hoped to. So I um, booked a place in a competition in Cyprus in October and then headed off two days later uh, to go train for that. So that was a really nice palate cleanser. And um, I became a lot more comfortable competition. And that was my goal for 2021 was to just build up more experience competing because it's totally different than just diving for yourself and so I did five competition dives in Cyprus and set some more national records and just overall had a far nicer diving experience so it was really great to end the season like that I'm really glad of that opportunity. So how many records do you hold now? Um, I think I hold three of the four depth disciplines i think in the world no no ireland <laughs> just ireland <laughs> no no <laughs> yeah uh, i think so yeah three of the four probably i'm not 100 sure and um, yeah what just we were talking about depth and you were kind of laughing about the uh, 90 feet, the 30 metres. So how, how deep, what is your deepest dive? So my deepest dive is 60 metres. Um, my deepest dive in a competition is 50. And how long are you underwater for something like that? Um, I'm not the best judge because I am slow. I am a slow diver. Um uh so let me see 50 meter dive is just under two minutes i think i have quickened it up a lot i used to be quite slow um yeah just under two minutes and how long can you hold your breath for then <laughs> the million dollar question always with free diving um five minutes 59 seconds that is phenomenal it's a bit mad <laughs> uh, you you just kind of laugh at the the fact of it there Claire. but nearly six minutes mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Like, I suppose I hang out and train with um, free divers who are way out of my league. They're, they're, you know, the big shots. So I'm used to training with them. So I'm always the baby. So my numbers are always so much lower than any of those guys. Um, so I'm kind of used to that. Um, but I think, obviously, when I say, you know, you can hold your breath for six minutes, it's pretty it's pretty incredible uh, the world record for a woman is nine nine minutes and two seconds i've watched the video of that dive and it is just mind-blowing she comes she lifts her head up after holding her breath for nine 
nine minutes, two seconds, like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. That, I think, is incredible. And how, how much of that is training and or how much of it is genetics in, in the same way that certain people are better runners, certain people are better basketball players, certain people are better soccer players? Is there any science behind it? Yeah, there is. Like the um, top male athlete, I think, has had all those tests done um, and has learned that he has no uh, genetic predisposition to free diving. And yet he's dived to 104 metres doing that breaststroke. It's just mind-blowing. Um, I think for me, I'm comfortable in the water. That makes a difference. And I've done a lot of singing over the years. So I have a really good awareness of my breath um, where I carry tension in terms of jaw, uh, neck and so on. I, and that makes a huge difference. Um, so when I did my first breath hold, I got to 4.07, I think, which is really, really good for a beginner. Really good. Um, but And then I then I plateaued for a long time. In fact, I went back, <laughs> back to three minutes and then to two minutes at one stage before I jumped up again. Um, so I think that, like, I've been doing breathwork, speech and drama, singing since, since I was five years old. Um, so I, I definitely think that's carried on. Also, how I equalize my ears um, is a little bit different. I don't touch my face. I can um, contract, if that's the word, my eustachian tubes, so the tubes in your ears, which would be um, unusual enough. So I do have an advantage in that sense. But honestly, what I love about freediving, and I'm an instructor as well, what I love about teaching people how to hold their breath is they invariably surprise themselves you know so you hear numbers like six minutes five minutes <laughs> nine minutes and um, so you think oh gosh I'm going to be so nervous like you know I'm going to be the person who doesn't even get 30 seconds you know everyone surprises themselves and, and that's what I genuinely love about it you know beginners get from anything from whatever 130 up to three up to four minutes it's it really is quite a mental game. It's reflective of, I suppose, where you are um, with your own headspace, how comfortable you are dealing with discomfort, um, how you are in positive, you know, talk. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 something that can be developed. And speaking of developing things, that's leading us nicely into the other strand of your life. You've you're you're building a business around your sport now? Yeah. I think it's, you know, I, I have quite a diverse background in terms of work, you know, like I'm a puppeteer, I've done singing, taught choirs, taught drama, movement and so on. Um and when I tell people this, they kind of go, What? Um but for me there's always been a through line and that is the breath. Um so I've I've brought together some of my skills because there's a lot of crossovers. I teach freediving techniques to singers and I teach singing to freedivers. Um, and then stuff around posture alignment uh, that I would have done in my master's. Yeah, starting to package them all together. Um, I think what's great now is that there's uh, an emphasis on wellness and a recognition that breath is kind of the foundation of that. So you know, I'm just offering another way into that. There's terrific work being done by uh, Neil Averku, um, Breathe with Nile. He does some really super work. Um, he's a Wim Hof instructor. Um, lots of other people, you know, doing this. And obviously, pranayama breathwork has 
been around in yoga for years and years and years. So I'm just offering, like I said, a, a different way into it, a, a different um, perspective. And uh, yeah, I'm getting a really, really good response. Great. So, and if people want to avail of your talents and your services, Claire, how do they, how do they find you? So they can find me on clairewalshlife.com or on Instagram or Twitter at clairewalshlife. No, as you said, hopefully the uh, lockdown starting to ease will be good news for you on two fronts. What what does the future hold? When do you hope to be back in the water properly? Oh, I really don't know. I should be there now. Um, I should have been there in April and then um, training. I was supposed to be training now, back home in July, gone in August again. So at the moment, I'm just not making any plans for the rest of 2020 until um, I have a better idea of what this year is going to look like in terms of travel. So I'm hoping early 2021 I can uh, go away and train a little bit and um, I had a fantastic sponsor on board um, and because of the last the last few months he's had to quieten things down a little bit so um yeah hopefully 2021 is going to be a good diving year and obviously there'll be a world championships as well so hoping to go and represent again Thanks again for joining us on the Irish Examiner Sports Podcast. And don't forget, you can read the full Irish Examiner and every supplement just as they are printed. Anytime, anywhere, on your phone, your PC or your tablet using our e-paper. Just visit irishexaminer.com forward slash e-paper for all the details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.